0: Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick and this is episode number 170 of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast. Brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you by Acoustic Disc where they just released their two newest releases for the month, Eastern Grass with, uh, I believe it's Radim Zenkel. I hope I'm saying that right. I'll be able to pronounce it correctly, though, because he's going to be a future guest on the podcast. So be sure to check that out. And also a brand-new podcast with Danny Barnes and David Dog Grisman, The Acoustic Encounters. It's episode 17, and they're discussing DGQ20. So head on over to Acoustic Disc, also brought to you by Grace Design Preamps. There's a reason why you see a lot of your favorite players plugging into those silver and black boxes on stage. If they have to plug in, they want to sound the best. And Grace Design is the way to do it. So head on over to Grace Design Preamp. And I'm proud to welcome Tone Slabs. This is the pick that Frank Sullivan and his co-founder, David Welch, have been working on. And if you follow Frank on Instagram, which I highly recommend you do, you'll know that Frank doesn't do anything halfway from cooking, to playing, to leather work, and now to these incredible picks, Tone Slabs. Um, you gotta check them out for yourself. He's got them in the hands of some of the best players out there, Don sternberg and CJ Lewandowski. Andy Statman was playing one just the other day. So go over to Tone Slabs, check out the store. Uh, they got a whole variety of sizes. I've got two brand new ones here in my hands, uh, and the bevels are incredible. So yeah, thank you so much to Frank for uh, signing up to, to to support the podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Had a bit of a kind of a crazy week here at my place, but uh, now I think I'm catching the bug that might have been going around here as well, unfortunately. But glad to be at it. Uh, Monday I'll be dropping a few new Patreon-only bonus episodes. Uh, I'm really excited about this. the uh, the The theme about it is the different approaches to the same song this month on patreon it'll be columbus stockade blues and i have four different examples i'll be dropping an episode each week well i'll drop a few because february is almost half over here at this point and i'll also be releasing the very first one for everybody to check out to see if they would be interested in it i'll play some examples of some licks and teach you some licks as well and i'll be adding video and and hopefully some tab for the higher uh, tears, but you can sign up for $1 a month. Only $1 a month, up to $10 a month, and I want to thank everybody who does that. It really does help out uh, full-time musicians. so thank you so much, y'all. Also, at the end of this episode, be sure to stay tuned for Wayne Fugate's new practice tip segment, and it's a little five-minute clip. It's so great. Man, Wayne was such a great guest, and I'm excited for him to share some of these hacks with us, so stick around to the very end of the episode and pick up the hack from Wayne for this week. Let's get into the sponsors here. Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. Oh, my gosh. If you follow my Instagram, I posted a, uh, a clip of Ian Curry playing with Jason Anik, uh, one of Jason's originals. And, uh, man, great stuff. Uh, Ian Curry is an instructor, along with Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Feibish, and Chad Manning. From beginner to advanced, they have got you covered with high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play the best part. You can join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free. Go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code mandolinbeer, all one word, at checkout. Speaking of Jason Anik, Jason Anik will be joining Isaac Eicher for the Jazz Mandolin Workshop on February 25th. That's a Saturday. It's from 1 to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Details are in the description below and a link at mandolinsabeer.com. Be sure to sign up today. Northfield Mandolins, Let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. Elderly Instruments. Elderly Instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments for the experienced to beginner player. Their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I say mandolins, includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. Now in their 51st year, they're family-owned and operated, they ship worldwide, and you can visit them anytime at Elderly.com. Great place to do some mandolin window shopping. And in case you want to build your own mandolin, well then, you're in luck. If You head over to StraightUpStrings.com. My buddy Roger Siminoff has got you covered with pretty much anything you're going to need to build your own mandolin aside from the tools. You've got the books, the Art of Tap Tuning, the Luthier's Handbook, the Physics of Music. I mean, every time I interview a luthier on this podcast, they have Roger's Books on their shelf, and the best part there is Roger's gonna give you 10% off because you listen to this podcast. So just go to the website straightupstrings.com, enter the promo code MANDOBEER, all caps, all one word, at checkout, and you get 10% off. That's a pretty awesome deal for sure. So thank you to Roger, thank you to all my sponsors, and most importantly, thank you for listening to the podcast and sharing it with all your friends. I truly, truly appreciate it. And uh, let's get into this episode with Ashby Frank. Brand new album out today. Go pick it up. Ashby will tell you where. Also, you can look in the description below or go to mandolinsandbeard.com, where you can also order yourself some new swag. Cheers, everybody. Now it's my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast Ashby Frank. Ashby, how's it going, buddy? Great, good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you, man. And you're in the uh, just probably one of the most historic, at least the top three most historic bluegrass places around right now. While we're doing this interview.
1: Yeah, I'm down at the world famous Station Inn,
0: dude. Every time I go to Nashville, that is the that is like the first stop of the evening. Once I once I get into right. town, it's always something cool going on there.
1: I'm so glad it's still here and still. Still like it kind of has like it's always been. Uh I noticed one big change down here is there's no more Coke machine. They actually have a Coke gun. Oh, uh, really? <laughs>
2: it's a
1: huge, huge advancement in uh, station in. You now there's there's so many cool venues in Nashville now that I'm glad have bluegrass like the local and uh, I think it was analog room at the Hudson and uh D's and uh the the Legion and but it wouldn't be the same if the station and wasn't, it wasn't here. So uh, I still love this place.
0: Yeah, me too. And I just love walking up to it and just, it's a, you know, just this little tiny dot in the middle of all these giant <laughs> skyscrapers and hotels and stuff. Now it's so cool.
1: It's crazy. I, we used to play, I had a, uh, with my buddies, uh, we had a band called Nashville brigade and, um, we used to play down here once a week for like four years, uh, maybe five, um uh, so and, and back in that time this this area down here in the Gulch was just starting to be redeveloped and uh now it's surrounded by concrete and steel and glass and then you walk through the doors in here and you're back in nineteen seventy
0: eight. I love it. Didn't get any cooler. And you're playing there in April. Mm-hmm. April twenty ninth. Yeah. Your band playing there in April. Right. Um I'm
1: gonna have some of my bandmates from Mountain Heart and some and uh some of my bandmates from the Likely Culprits uh sitting in with me and uh probably a few special guests. There's actually that's also that's the week after my fortieth birthday. And so we're gonna call it a, a party and you know, not make it completely about the album, but uh yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: And then you also have a lot of cool things coming up here this year. I had to specify your band because you play in so many cool ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want you to get your due when you're at the station in as well, but you're doing Telluride this year.
1: Yeah. I'm uh, doing Telluride with the Earls of Leicester. I uh, just got to do Rocky grass with them back, uh, last year. And that was a highlight for me. I've never done, I've never done either one of those. And, uh, you know, there's a few on that list that I just really have always wanted to do. And, uh, Really excited about that. And I'm uh, getting to, we're going back out actually, Mountain Heart. We're doing Michael Hearn's Barn Dance and uh, Taos. Um, and we're doing, uh, I'm actually sitting in with my buddy Ronnie Bowman that I'm in the Likely Culprits with. Uh, he's doing a show at Picking in the Pines out in Flagstaff later this summer. And yeah, just. Getting all over the place.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, playing with Jason Carter. Jason Carter's got a great new album out as well. Um, yeah. We're going to be doing the Opry with him. Yeah, I believe that's March 1st. Yeah, and Europe. You're going to Europe. Yeah, I'm going with uh, John
1: Cowan and uh, two of my buddies from Mountain Heart, uh, Seth Taylor and Matt Menifee. We're going over there to uh, the Czech Republic for, I think, three days, two or three days, and uh, that's in May. So, yeah, I've have got ai got a – I'm already like thinking about laundry and you know, who's going to mow my yard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you, I mean, you had a pretty busy year last year. You, it seems like a, a lot of stuff was going on even between yeah. the time we talked and, and today, which is the day before your, you know, your album comes out.
1: Yeah. I've been, I've been busy. Sometimes I've, you know, sometimes it's a blur and sometimes, you know, <laughs> it's, I've been doing this for so long, you know, I started, um, started really playing professionally the when i was 15. Uh, i went out uh, my friends johnny and Jeanette williams hired this wet behind the ears you know kid <laughs> uh, so yeah, to go out and play with them i was traveling in a van with you know other great musicians and was i think the week before i turned 16 years old so i've been been doing this for 24 years so that's kind of nuts but uh yeah I, i've been I'm really fortunate you know the pandemic everything kind of built it, it changed everything you know and every everybody kind of feels like they've been liberated now and can get out and do stuff and it's really changed the dynamic of uh, you know what freelancing means and uh you know even how this business works and i'm really fortunate that i've that i made it through that whole time and uh get to work with some great artists and, uh, that i've really would have (laughs) told teenage me that I'd be working with John Callen and um, got to pick a little bit with uh, my buddy, Sammy Sheeler, a few weeks ago. Oh, cool. Jerry Douglas and folks like that. And I'm just kind of blown away just talking about (laughs) it. You know, it's something you never, you never think you're going to achieve, but I guess I've just outlasted everybody. <laughs> yeah.
0: No way is. It's called hard work, you know. You earn that. That's that that stuff just doesn't happen, you know. I mean, maybe every now and again like a fluke, but this is no fluke with you, buddy. You're you're out there crushing it with everyone. So, congrats. I it.
2: Thank
0: you. And and a big congratulations on leaving is believing, which is coming out on February 10th. If you're listening to this uh, today, is February 10th. The album's coming out when this is going to be released. And
2: the man- make it on her own. She's over the grieving, starting over all alone. Just keep
0: This is your first album, solo album since '99.
1: Yeah, and I was a, I was a kid. I started, ma- I think I started making that record when I was 15. So I, it was, you know, it was such a great thing that my parents, you know, kind of set up and allowed me to do. This is the first thing I've ever really self-produced or done. I've done lots of band, been on lots of band records, but um, never, never anything like this. It was a i guess another product of the pandemic was i had the time and all my friends had the time and the patience to deal with me to 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 put something together like this and it's also i know it's kind of odd these days it has 13 tracks on it i mean well i know some people that are just releasing to streaming are doing 30 and 40 tracks of different remakes of their own songs on their own record but in bluegrass now you know lots of lots of things are 10 and 11 track and uh Every, every song is really important to the project, so I uh, was fortunate to be able to get it all together.
0: First question is, uh, this one's on Mountain Home Music Company. Was it was it easy for you to decide that you wanted to distribute it through a label? How did that kind of come about?
1: I, I did it all on my own at first, and then um, John Weisberger and Ty Gilpin and all my friends over there um, kind of approached me after I put something on Facebook about, you know, I was working on a, on an album. And so between it being all the tracks being finished and it being mixed is whenever I decided to go with them. And, uh, I've known both of those guys for quite a long time and actually worked pretty frequently with, uh, Chris Jones and the night drivers whenever John was in the band. So, uh, he's, he's a good friend. And, uh, I just, I really didn't think much about any other direction. I, I, when they approached me it kind of felt right so that's that's where i landed and they've done a great job so far you know with the first few singles and the promotional uh efforts they've put into it have just been really great um, so i'm proud to be associated
0: with them yeah that's they're a great label they really are chris jones i think whenever he puts anything out it's uh they do always do a great job with his stuff i mean anybody that i've seen who's worked with them it's always been a really yeah always been a really great experience it seems so that's awesome
1: yeah, no, uh, Sister Sadie's on
0: there now, too. Oh, are they really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Now, the next question is, because you are yourself a great songwriter. Like, you've written, you've written hits for other artists. So how do you pick the songs on, on this uh, to be on this album, um, including the one, which is uh, my buddies are from a band called The Blue Dogs. And you do Make Your Mama Proud, which is a song that they, uh, that they recorded as well.
2: Daddy said, son, when you have to choose Which road to take, all you gotta do is Make your mama proud And let your mama know You'd be nowhere without her prayers, her faith, and hope
1: Make your mm-hmm. That song was actually written by two really Big time Nashville songwriters uh, Philip White and Tony Hazelden. Uh, Tony was in the band Larue for I don't you know. No, I think they're still active. I'm not sure. But um, that I know Bobby um, through my friend Darren Shoemaker, who used to play with the Blue Dogs. Oh, get out of here! And uh, yeah, and I actually, I was performing with uh, the Earls in Charleston, and Bobby came. And he knows Jerry and it all kind of, I was, that made me remember that song because years ago I was like, you know, a little bit more of a bluegrass treatment to that song might, you know, be popular and might do well. And uh, even though they're, you know, rootsy sounding, they're more of a, what would you call them? Folk rock, acoustic rock? Yeah.
0: I'd call them like Americana or something maybe too. Definitely not bluegrass. Before Americana
1: existed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. Right. (laughs) And uh, I I love their stuff. And actually a buddy of mine, uh, Patrick McDougall, wrote a few songs for them that he's known in the bluegrass world and um that's kind of where i found that and uh, all these things you know I found, the three songs that i wrote that are on this album uh, maybe they're just three songs that no one else would have been willing to record <laughs> 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 if you listen to the subject matter um, i actually wrote one of them for uh i wrote all three of those on cruise ships back over a decade ago i was on I worked for a major cruise line. Whenever I kind of got burnt out on the road, and I just went and disappeared to the Caribbean for a few months, and I got inspiration for some comedic uh, material on there. And I wanted the Daryl Brothers to uh, record, actually, the new single that just came out last week, a "Paintball Gun."
2: Surely <laughs> shot me with a paintball gun, brought me down when I was trying to run. Me and Susie were about to have.
1: Shot me with a paintball gun. Uh, I wanted, uh, we were going to record that, and we just never got around to it. And, um, yeah. I'm, I've, I've been sitting on a lot of these songs for a while, and uh, the, especially the ones that I wrote, just kind of felt right because it's such a it's a side to my writing that I mean we had people aren't familiar with the Daryl Brothers they probably should feel lucky, but <laughs> we had a, a couple little viral things happen, and uh, I've had some more tongue in cheek songs recorded by uh, some other artists, Junior Sis kind of big bluegrass hit, um, so uh, yeah I've, I have this kind of tongue-in-cheek comedic aspect to my to a lot of the songs that i write and um they fit really well on this project here and um uh, i don't uh, a lot of the other ones are just from 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 some of my favorite songwriters in general like uh, the late harley allen there she went his song the waving girl i put that on the record and um yeah there's there's some other other stuff on there like midnight highway that's gary nicholson and peter rowan so i'm just kind of a mix of covers and new and original and uh there was it, it every the whole record kind of has a traveling theme um because that's what i've done my whole life that's all i really know and uh there's some Tunes about you know being on the water and some about being on the road and some you know some observational humor about uh, different places and that's that's what the whole theme of the record kind of wound up being and I I noticed it after I'd picked the songs out so um, it was an accidental theme <laughs> but I also wanted to make an album that you know had songs that were relevant to my generation and maybe younger and people that are you know, a little older than me. That I don't. I don't want to call it pop bluegrass. You know, my bass player on uh, my buddy Travis Anderson. that's in Mountain Heart with me, and uh, played bass on this record called It Yachtgrass.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so he called me. Uh, determined, I'm the father of yachtgrass music. So I'm just gonna. I'm gonna go with that,
0: dude. I'll tell you what. If if the recording industry was what it used to be the song Arkansas Island you'd be, you'd be living it on an island from the amount of money you would make from that song I think that, that would be right up the alley of like a Jimmy Buffett or, or a Kenny Chesney That's if I wish they were still buying records like they used to do because that, you wouldn't you wouldn't have to work anymore <laughs> like
2: or a football game Hairy white guys and drunk grandmas Shooting Patrons Singing George Strange songs They should have called it Arkansas Island It kind of feels just like home The beach sure looks inviting, But I'm too drunk to swim alone It's like the trailer park got blown away And washed up here on Independence Day Not a cloud on the horizon Out here on
1: Arkansas Island Oh man, I don't know Um, I've actually, I actually pitched that to a a couple of people, including some of the names you just mentioned. Um, (laughs) I don't know if it's a little too, too over the edge or what? I don't know, but, uh, yeah, but I'm glad that I actually have it saved and putting it out myself. Who knows? I can see music videos for, for that one and several other ones. So, uh, maybe we can get that in the works.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and again, too, it's, I mean, they could pick it up at any time you know, right. they might right. be like, you know what, what was that song? <laughs> yeah. Like Brad Paisley, call me. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Does anybody here know Brad Paisley? Give the, Hit me give up the... on
1: Instagram. <laughs> yeah.
0: What was the, um, what was the reason for leaving is believing for the, uh, for the title? Well, with the, the theme of, you know, traveling and different scenes and
1: different places, um, that title just jumped out, uh, that's actually I asked uh, Tim Stafford for some songs and he sent me quite a few demos, but that was the first one he sent me. And from the moment I listened to it, I was like, that's that's the one that, you know, is going on the record. And then we were all we were looking at titles and the different maybe lines from songs and actually Ty uh, Gilpin at Crossroads at Mountain Home uh, suggested that. And it just kind of made sense. So, uh, yeah.
0: Fell into place. Talk about another great songwriter, like Tim Stafford. Jeez, yeah,
1: <laughs> he's, he's he's my hero at, at lots of different things. Man, you know, iconic guitar player and writer and singer and all around good guy. He actually uh, he co-wrote that one with Bobby Starnes. I think they just had a a big hit for Blue Highway, um, Tim's band. I think they just had a number one, if I'm not mistaken, for Bobby and Tim. So, uh, yeah, fortunate that they were willing to send a few my way
0: when you when you put this together to start recording it and you know you're doing it all yourself how many courses of sessions did you do for this to to get this entire album together
1: (laughs) so my co-producer is my buddy brandon bostic who's also in the likely culprits i keep going i'm in so many bands (laughs) um and we were we were the daryl brothers he's my other daryl um but um he did let's see i think we did three days with seth playing guitar and travis playing bass and me doing mandolin and uh scratch stuff and uh, brandon played some dobro i think on those days and so i think we did two or three days of, of tracking and maybe it was just two and then it was a process of months of getting um everyone else <laughs> um some people did it from their from this was not like the height of COVID, but it was, you know, still a, still a thing going around. I mean, of course it's still a thing now, but, um, it was still a bigger concern then. And a lot of people were at home for extended periods of time. So I just had to coordinate, um, shoot. There's so many, uh, just fiddle players. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's Jim Van Cleave, um, Andrea Zahn, um, Jeremy Abshire. I'm going to forget somebody I should not have started.
0: <laughs> that's, the, that's the classic.
1: Yeah. I mean, just so many different people. Uh, Deanie Richardson, uh, Jason Carter, um, got just just fiddle players. I think they all did it from their homes. So, um, and then uh, Jerry played Dobro on a good bit of stuff, and Sean Sullivan engineered that. Yeah, it's just been a patchwork thing. And, I've you know, you're always concerned that, it's gonna. It's not gonna sound live or authentic. But for this, this came out. You know, the the bass tracks. I guess you would call it the uh, guitar, mandolin, bass. You know, dobro, maybe some banjo. Um, it it kept that live feeling, even though it was a it was a real process of piecing it together with some of the guest artists I had on there.
0: You can't tell from listening to it. I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a session done in you know one one spot in one sitting. So kudos to that.
1: They're all folks that I've I've worked with before. So uh, it kind of, they know my vibe and I know their vibe and that's why they're on there. And, you know, hopefully that's why they agreed to agreed to do it. So um, it's just like, you know, the songs and the, the musicians are all, all going to paint a different portrait. You know, one little change, one different person, you know, really, really makes a difference. And uh, I'm just really satisfied with the, even some of the <laughs> more, bluegrass people would think it was more bizarre but i mean having piano and some uh more percussion and there's one uh, that arkansas island song you mentioned uh, scott vestal um played banjo on it and then brandon added a little bit of uh midi hits to make uh, steel drum sounds that uh coordinate with the banjo and uh having so much time to work on it really allowed us to to do things like
0: that and it uh Yeah, it it is what it is, and I'm I'm happy with it. It sounds great. What I really love about it too is it sounds like almost like a mix, uh, tape that's that you would give to somebody. Um, You know, as like as far as like, oh man, here's a bunch of cool tunes that you would dig, and you know, like each song's got a little bit of a different vibe, but it still has that theme going through, like you said, and I I really enjoy that too because it makes the uh, just. You know, I listen to a lot of music, like like working out or walking, and sometimes, you know, like I love. I mean, the, I've, I've listened to the bluegrass album band albums all. I couldn't even count how many times. However, sometimes when I'm working, I'm like, yeah, I just I gotta I gotta move on to something else here for a little bit, you know. And you know, I've been able to listen to yours a couple days now doing that, and you know, just it just keeps going, and you almost forget it's the same album. So it's it's really a fun listen.
1: Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted I wanted to be. Something that, I mean, it's, of course, it's, I've been in bluegrass and doing this for so long, it's it's going to sound bluegrassy, but I just wanted it to sound like me and something that was relevant and and kind of, you know, poppy and something that might appeal to people that aren't. You know avid bluegrass listeners, and I can sit and listen, and you know, listen to JD Crowe <laughs> play the banjo for hours, like you know, kind of like what you said. But I think these days the genre lines are so blurred, and there's a lot of the festivals we play. You know, there'll be a DJ, you know, at, at another stage while we're playing, you know, some banjo music. <laughs> and, <laughs> all, all the and I think that's awesome because people aren't so, uh, you know, people that are younger younger than me are they don't really see it as genres, but I think streaming has done that because they, you know, they can hear Billy strings and Molly Tuttle. And then, you know, like, and they're at festivals where there's all coming. I mean, Billy was, you know, one of the headliners at Bonnaroo last year. So, I mean, that's just, it's great. And I think that we need to, you know, of course, there's always a, a spot for the most tradist of grass, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, it's cool that everything's kind of getting mixed together. And, I, you know, it's, I want to appeal to as many people that, you know, that like what this uh, kind of music that I do. I want to. I want them to be able to find it and find something that uh, relates to them. I think that's a, a lot of bluegrass has that. You know, if you didn't grow up listening to those songs, a lot of them just are not relevant at all to most people's lives these days. And uh, trying to get them hooked and feel something—that's the whole point of music, right? Making somebody feel something. And uh, if you can't relate, then that's harder. So uh, that was kind of an idea. Of a lot of the of what I picked and uh, how we how we managed the the production and hope it came out that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, the first thing that stands out is these are great songs. So you've already got that going for you, and then you add the killer musicianship and absolutely killer vocals, man. Your oh. voice sounds great. <laughs> well it
1: was all that rest that i got <laughs> i might not be able to hit some of those notes right now after being on the road for we just did a a long long run with jason carter and uh had an absolute blast but uh yeah it's uh I've, I've always been a singer but i'm you know kind of more more known for being a harmony singer um so i really wanted to kind of step out there and and uh do my thing with the But the vocals and I'm (laughs) going to sound silly to people that aren't bluegrass people, but I didn't include an instrumental on this. And that's kind of odd for a bluegrass record. But I I wanted it to make, you know, to be more about the songs and me singing and uh, stepping into that role as because I've I've been known as a mandolin player and baritone or uh, harmony singer, tenor singer. (laughs) I've done all all those things. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate you noticing that. Thank you.
0: And that's another feather in your hat. I think, again, that goes a long way saying there's not an instrument because you're a great player. And so, I mean, there's some hot breaks on here. And actually, I was surprised not to hear an instrumental track on there. <laughs> again, because you're such a great player, I just assumed, you know, incorrectly that it was just, you know, like it's, it's, you would assume there's going to be one on there. I think it's great that there's not. And, and you mentioned something pretty interesting. And I say this to a few different people that I've, you know, had on the podcast, but this is like an album I can play on a road trip with guys in my band. Cause again, not all of them. I mean, I didn't grow up on bluegrass, but I love it, you know, and those guys play bluegrassy stuff with me, but it's not t- traditional bluegrass. So, you know, I, again, I could put an album on like this and, and, and everybody's going to enjoy it. You know, it's, and it, it's not always the case with some of the stuff I'll choose to listen to. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's, that's great though. That's exactly what I was aiming for. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'll listen to a huge variety of stuff myself, and uh, maybe that's. It's probably changed, you know, what I listen for in in songs these days. Yeah, I mean, I just and that's a that's a huge advantage, as much as songwriters and lots of artists. And <laughs> you were talking about the royalties of you know the CDs not really existing anymore, but uh, it's a huge advantage of the streaming world we live in is that you can click over and listen to someone's album that you you know. It's suggested, you know, it, they they see what you what you're listening to, or you look at the charts on whatever day, and uh, you can find great new music. So you know, whenever you pick up your phone, any time of the day, and it's kind of it's enabled, you know, a lots of musical growth. I think people people hearing stuff that they would have never been exposed to, and it's just you know right there in the palm of their hand, and that definitely goes for me. <laughs>
0: I remember when we talked last, you really kind of inspired me to open my ears up to some stuff because you were talking about how you'll listen to anything that's um, on the charts, regardless if it's bluegrass or poppy stuff, just to keep it keep you on your songwriting game. And I found that really an inspirational thing to say because uh, it really does. I mean you you can you can pick up something from a song you might not like at all, but you might catch a hook there, or like, oh, that's a interesting concept, and and turn it into something completely your own. You know.
1: Right, and I mean, I think satellite radio is huge for that too, because you can just there's so much within a few clicks of, <laughs> of the dial there. Out, you know, I love especially um, some of the theme shows like uh, the Buddy and Jim Show on Outlaw Country. I've been exposed to so many, so many artists that I would have never really gotten into, um, and um, that's that's been a I, th- I think it's I think it's great, and I think that goes in with what I was talking about as far as festivals all being kind of blended now, and the genre lines are blurred. And you know, like for example, Zach Bryan, <laughs> um, you know, he came from TikTok and put out probably the most successful album of the year last year, and uh, that would have you know, <laughs> that's great that a, a young guy like that can just blow up without you know he didn't you know spend eight years in nashville <laughs> you know trying to do showcases here and there and that that's a great path too you, know, you kind of hone your tops and everything but that and it crossed over and you know people people that don't listen to country were listening to that record and you know, i saw it was number one i think you know on the billboard top 100 or the rock chart like it number one country number one americana number one rock when was the last time <laughs> you know thats it's it's cool that that kind of stuff's happening, and. uh some of the artists that are that have kind of blurred the lines um, are really lifting you know it's like a rising tide uh, lifts all ships right Mm -hmm. so yeah and Billy's doing that so much for bluegrass and and Molly and uh, you know it's it's a great time to be be in the roots of your side of music I think because people are craving authenticity in our society uh, these days and it's kind of the pendulum swinging back a little bit I think and I think that's great
0: you know people like oh he started on tiktok well we'll find out in five years from now you know at least he's got the opportunity he's got some good tunes and if Mm -hmm. he gets if he's around in five years crushing it then that's exactly the way it should work you know
1: you know there's i mean that's seth taylor that is on my record is playing all the you know all the guitar i think on, on that record oh wow um i think billy Contreras is playing fiddle on it um so there's some definite bluegrass fruity connections um yeah, that's Seth. Seth's a rock star now, so I don't know. I don't know if I can get him on my next one, but uh,
0: let's let's get into the uh, the nerdy side here of of the recording. I mean, the mandolin again sounds killer, and we all know the mandolin starts the tone in the hands. But you know, what what was the recording process? Do you remember like what kind of mics, or do you have a particular set of mics you like to use, or one mic in the studio?
1: So Brandon actually used a uh, Townsend um, Sphere. Uh, the modeling mic i sang all my vocals on it and played all the mandolin on that no kidding mm-hmm.
0: whoa wow
1: yeah they're i want one <laughs> <laughs> they do everything you know so um it's pretty pretty wild what they're capable of because you can literally make them sound like any vintage microphone
0: yeah, for people who are wondering what that might be, it's kind of the same sort of thing as if you get a um, like a pedal that models different guitar amplifiers. Like you can make it sound like a Marshall mm-hmm. or a Vox. Well, you can make this sound right. like a Neumann or a Royer. It models mm-hmm. the sounds of those. So, wow, that's really interesting. That sounds great. There's some other
1: uh, kind of less expensive options that they have. I forget what the other one. There's another modeling mic that I just did some demos on.
0: It's a Slate, I believe.
1: Yeah, Slate. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, I think uh, UA just bought uh, Townsend. So they're all going to, it's, I think the name's changing and they're going to actually put out kind of a more base model version. Um, I haven't really looked into that totally. I'm in the market for one, but I've been so busy that I, I just kind of saw it in passing, I think on Facebook. And that's a, they're so cool. (laughs) Like you can just, and uh, with that Townsend that Brandon has, um, you can change the polarity and all everything post. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: wow, that's crazy.
1: So it it records basically in 360 from what I understand and then you can change change it up after even after you you've recorded something. So it's like you can change you know, you want to change from a a any any sort of microphone to another one, you can just click a button and uh, even if the tracks already recorded it's all the data's there and it just flips it
0: wow technology man holy cow
1: (laughs) i mean i use a tone dexter on stage and uh it kind of similar ish you know not not modeling really but um you know it's i just set it up with an 87 and went to town and it it still sounds great (laughs) there's a new model too oh no do you have the newer one or is it no i don't i want the newer one i'm actually i've had some difficulty i know honestly i think everyone that i know that has one has had some difficulty with the switches um getting some contact issues you know not working and being oversensitive and uh i mean the thing's great i've just not had a chance to really get it worked on but um it's still fine but I'm interested in the new one. I'm not sure what the new bells and whistles are, but, you know, it'll be something that'll tempt.
0: <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> tempt every player. Where did you uh, place that microphone in relation to your mandolin when you were recording?
1: Oh, uh, it was just kind of directly in front of me.
0: Yeah, it sounds so good. Yeah, no, thank you. I am
1: I was kind of shocked, and um, then you know, singing into it, and that's totally, you know, I'm used to the, the two pencil-ish mics, you know the common common mando setup, but know it um, that actually I think there's a stereo out, or a st- I'm not. Listen to me, I have a degree in sound engineering, and I should not, <laughs> <laughs> I should not be saying stuff like that. Um, there's there's um uh, there's ways to make it uh, record in stereo,
0: the single mic. When you, if you have your choice, when you're playing live and you have to play into a mic, do you have a, a mic you like to play in? Oh, f- <laughs> sure, fifty-seven. That's that's no no doubt for me. Um,
1: I know there's a lot of advancements and a lot of people are loving different brands that I won't bring up um, <laughs> <laughs> in, in fear of you know missing an endorsement somewhere down the line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, sure, <Not> really. <laughs> but um, I I just like the old school. You can't hurt them. (laughs) You know they're indestructible, basically. And uh, I I like I like singing into a fifty-eight and playing into a fifty-seven. That's kind of my my thing. But you know, there's so many great things out there. Maybe I'm just jaded from years of you know playing bluegrass festivals, where it's more about not feeding back and not having (laughs) (laughs) right right. because you have you know thirty seconds of changeover. There's only so much talk that you know somebody can do about funnel cakes and um, deep fried Oreos <laughs> while you're fidgeting <laughs> with a microphone.
0: Give him, give him the funnel cake thing again, real quick. This just we're getting a little ring. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about next year's festival, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the mandolin that you used on this? Yeah, it's my Randy Wood. So I've had it had it
1: since I was a kid. Uh, bought it at Merle Fest. From Tony Williamson in 1997, and been pretty much playing it ever since. It looks like it's 80 years old. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a, it's a it's it's always felt right uh, to me, and, and other people have played it, and I'm like, wow, that, it really is a great great instrument. And some people have even told me that it's their favorite mandolin they've ever played. Uh, from other pros here in town have said that and it makes me want to hold on to it even more so uh yeah it's kind of my my buddy i've had it for forever that's great
0: (laughs) i mean that's what everybody's looking for you know what i mean everybody's looking for that one yeah i've um
1: i've played a lot of really cool mandolins and there's some that i wish i could have and travel with and um there's a oh what is it there's a couple of really good ones out at Carter right now that I went and uh, played for a a friend of mine was looking, looking. And, uh, yeah, there's always that, you know, well, maybe that will give me something this and that. No, but like, <laughs> uh, that, the mandolin I have is as good as any. And, uh, it just feels right.
0: Would you string it up and pick and use picks with Do you? Use the same thing in the studios live.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually I've changed since I cut, um, I've switched to the XS's. Oh, cool! And um, they last a really long time. <laughs> so uh, I've I've been experimenting there a little bit, and I've I change up strings here and there every once in a while. But um, yeah, and I'm doing the same thing with picks right now too. I'm loving the tone slabs. I still love the blue chips, and uh, I, I you know I've switched back and forth. I've used everything from 50 cent Jim Dunlop picks to, you know, all these new fancy ones that are out. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not really set in stone like a lot of people are with some of that stuff. I change it up here and there. Frank, Frank, send me some more picks. There you go. <laughs> <No>. Yeah, Frank. <laughs> Get this guy some picks. <laughs> I just had lunch with him a few days ago here in town. And uh, he, was re- he was actually at Carter recording some stuff with, uh, with Callan, with John Callan.
0: Yeah, I saw the pictures. I haven't seen – I don't think they put the videos out yet, but oh my, I can't wait to hear that.
1: You know, Frank's a great cook and chef and whatever, and I'm just a foodie uh, nerd, and so we always kind of nerd out over food whenever we get together. And we went to a new Thai street food place here in Nashville that's knocking everybody's socks off. So, yeah, we talked about the pigs, and he seems – they're killing it. Like, and uh, they sound great.
0: Dude, every time I've talked to him – uh, in the last few weeks, he's just buried in orders. So that's a good <laughs> that's <great>. sign. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah, and he's a great player too. Oh, he's one of the best, yeah. Do you have a favorite food place in Nashville if you were to if I were to come to Nashville next week? Oh,
1: man. Well, so Nolansville Road, uh, south of town, there's this new place that uh, I actually just went to with Frank called uh, Deg Thai. Killer Thai street food. There's also a great um, Kurdish place down there um, a piece I believe is called um, actually no I may be getting my wires crossed here um, that's Edessa and uh, the, the a piece is a Lebanese spot and then you know west of town there's Korea house and some great Vietnamese food and then up north of town or off of Nolansville there's some great uh, uh, Mexican and Central American spots so it's uh, just too many I um, might go to people is probably korea house but that's just probably because i've been going there for 15 years it's my it's my jam (laughs) (laughs) um i'm always the one with yelp open you know in the back of the bus or van or whatever looking for someplace good to eat while everyone else is you know wanting to check out sheets or Bucky's? Or <laughs> I'm like, where's the Laotian ocean food? <laughs>
0: oh my god! Yeah, I was just at my first Bucky's uh, a little while back. There, that is something else.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it's kind of a destination for people, and I'm just—they're clocking up some of my favorite easy on and off interstate. Uh, there's east of town here, you know, in Crossville, kind of between Knoxville and Nashville. There's a there's an exit that used to have almost nothing on it, and now it's like completely. Like out to the interstate in line to get on the road to go to Bucky's. They're a phenomenon. (laughs) (laughs) Need to get some music placement with them somehow. Yeah,
0: there you go, man. (laughs) They need a mandolin channel. (laughs) Get your
1: beaver nuggets and mandolin picks. (laughs)
0: That's right. (laughs) Your tone slabs and. you've been um outside of of working on your own stuff anything mandolin wise that you've been working on interesting or just like some tunes you've been picking with or techniques you've been trying out
1: oh no i'm just trying to i'm I'm always trying to stay out of my own way as far as you know going back to bad techniques and i probably have some that i need to stay away from anyway but uh i've been kind of so busy that it's um I hate to say it i haven't really been woodshedding a ton just because i've been picking a ton of with other folks. And um, we just actually finished a mountain heart record uh, here about three or four weeks ago. And that's, that's in the works and um, that'll be coming out sometime, hopefully in the next, who knows, year. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is taken since May since the first single then, uh, to come out in February. So uh, yeah, my next record will be out in what, 2042.
0: Or something,
1: <laughs> if I'm on the same schedule.
0: So we and we talked a little bit now about the the recording industry and and again like Spotify is, I mean I have a Spotify account, I have an Apple Music account, I have all the accounts, you know, and and you know, but I still go to Bandcamp or wherever it is when somebody's album comes out that I love and support them. And so, if somebody's going to go out and buy a copy of this album, where do you recommend they go buy the record?
1: I'm still signing some. If people want, I have some in my living room. Well, there we um, go. <laughs> you can Just go on stop my website. over to Ashby's
0: house. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, frank.com There's a few on there. Uh I mean there's there's some available that I have and uh I'll have them at live shows. I'm sure Mountain Home will have them available somehow. It was kind of a question who's uh you know, how many CDs to print? Like how many? And I was I've been really shocked at all the people. A lot of, I know a lot of people are buying CDs for me that don't have CD players it's so like I feel kind of I feel kind of weird, but like I maybe you know I appreciate everybody supporting me and whatnot, but um now it's like vinyl, and you know, that's a big commitment, but um kind of you know I would love to print up a batch and we'll see how that we'll see how that goes but. Uh,
0: well man well congratulations on the record people if you go out I mean if you want to stream it first stream it if you like it go buy it go to Ashby's website and buy it go see him live I mean the odds of him coming to your to your town are pretty good and all the projects he plays in so <laughs> you, you know go and get it and you know support support your favorite mandolin players is what I like to say because it's a it's a tough slog out there
1: yeah I mean what a what a great time in mandolin world with Sierra doing all that she's doing and Chris chris being back out with nickel creek and like i saw their touring schedule i was like i thought i was busy
0: yeah they're crushing it with the schedule holy moly man (laughs) i mean everybody you know go
1: see chris Thiele. whatever you know if he's going to go draw you know do watercolors somewhere go watch it i'm sure it'll be amazing i need to see nickel creek i just haven't had a chance to even lock down what i'm doing all year long so uh you know i'm just so scattered but uh
0: yeah that's two things you've said now in this podcast with, with, that say a lot about you, buddy. And the first one is that you have people buying CDs who don't even have CD players. That says a lot <laughs> about you, for one. And two, you're busy with everybody, and that says a lot about you as well, man. And So all this, all this stuff coming your way is through hard work, and you're a great guy and a great player, and you deserve all of it. So congratulations.
1: Well, thank you so much.
0: So Ashby, thank you for doing the show again, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate you. it. Yeah, always a pleasure. Thanks so much to Ashby for doing the podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to go out and pick up Ashby's new album available today. And now here's Wayne's
3: practice tip of the week. Cheers, everybody. Hi, this is Wayne Fugate with a mandolins and beer practice tip that I think you'll find helpful when you're learning a new tune. Might be a bit different than the way you normally take on new material, but give this one a try, and I think you'll see a difference in the end result. So... Everything you do reinforces a pathway in your brain. And with that in mind, the question that I'm always asking myself and that I'd suggest you guys start to ask yourselves is, which pathway am I reinforcing right now? Is it the path that's focused on all the little details that go into getting something right? Or is it the path where I just kind of play a lick or a phrase or a tune in a less focused way that maybe allows me to nail it only 80% of the time, which in turn leaves me feeling frustrated and thinking, eh, well, okay, good enough. And then I move on without really fixing it. The details really do matter. So here are a few tips to consider when you're learning a new tune. Don't Just start at the beginning of the tune and play until you make a mistake and then go back to the beginning and try again until you make another mistake and then stop again, etc., etc. That actually reinforces the mistake and trains your brain that it's okay to slow down or to even stop when you come to that challenging spot. And the result of that, of course, is that then when you go to play the tune with other people in a situation where you can't slow down or stop when you get to those spots, you either fumble your way through it and miss a bunch of notes or mess up the timing, or worse, the train comes completely off the tracks and your solo crashes and burns. And that's no one's idea of a good time. So instead, Start by playing through the piece slowly and at a pace where you can't fail to play it right. So this might be really slow. Do this a few times and identify the spots that you know are going to be challenging. Maybe a tricky shift, a series of triplets, an unfamiliar rhythm, a string crossing that your right hand isn't used to, whatever it is, the idea here is to isolate all the little challenge areas within this new tune and then pull them out and work on those first independent of the tune. So you've got your set of challenge licks, you put on your problem solvers hat and try to figure out, be very analytical and figure out what's causing each problem. And pro tip here, using your phone's video recorder is really invaluable here. It'll help you to catch all the little things that conspire against you and prevent you from playing the lick correctly. Anyway, you want to come up with a few ideas that you think might correct um, the problem that's causing this challenge. Test each idea And when you find a solution that seems to work and allows you to get through the the phrase uh, successfully, then you begin to reinforce that solution with some slow practice, gradually working it up somewhere close to the tempo where you want to play the entire tune. Once you have all those problem areas fixed, then you start putting them back into the context of the tune. And how do you know that those areas, those challenges are really fixed? Try this, play each trouble spot at least five times in a row correctly and give yourself a hash mark on a piece of paper for each perfect attempt. So you play passage one perfectly and then the second time you play it again perfectly. But here's a twist, when you get to attempt three, if something goes wrong, you have to erase your hash marks and start at zero again. One additional thing to try here is to p- play these passages slowly and carefully right before going to bed. Then get a good night's sleep. And as soon as you, your feet hit the floor in the morning, play them again when you get up. And I think that what you'll find is when you plug these phrases back into the whole tune, you'll discover that you can get through the tune. When you come to those phrases, you won't feel the need to slow down or stop anymore. You'll be able to play the whole tune accurately and at a consistent tempo. And of course, you'll be reinforcing the path that trains your brain to play the piece all the way through successfully and confidently. So give this one a try and see if it doesn't help you to push past the challenges that you would otherwise encounter when you're learning a new piece of material. And along the way, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at any time. My email is wayne at Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.